Broadcasting live from behind the lens, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Taya, and I'm joined by my camera crew. Louisa. And Zebra. Mila's off sick today, but she'll be back, we pinky promise. This episode's theme is found footage horror films, but before we get into it, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and our link tree. We will begin by tackling the iconic 1999 indie, The Blair Witch Project, directed by Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrick. We will then move on to talk about the first 2007 movie in the Paranormal Activity franchise, directed by Oren Pelly. Finally, we will discuss a more recent take on the found footage genre, Afflicted, a 2013 Canadian film directed by Derek Lee and Cliff Prouse. Enjoy! Okay, this is a shame because I really wanted to know Mila's thoughts on found footage horror. <laughs> I don't know why, but I specifically wanted to know what she thought, like if she's a fan, but we'll have to just ask her post-migraine. But what do you guys think of found footage horror as a genre? I really liked it when I was younger, when I believed it was real. And then since then, it has not been nearly as fun. Like, I really believed Paranormal Activity was true found footage. Mm-hmm. Like, now I'm grown and I'm like, uh, this is bad acting. Like, I guess, like, whatever. But, like, when they have those, I don't know what you call them, warnings at the beginning of found footage movies, those always got me. Those got deep in my head. Even when people were telling me, like, oh, it's fake, oh, it's fake. Like, if we went to see it at the movie theater, I would still, like, have this, like, smidgen of like doubt in the back of my head that like really scared me and now they don't really scare me that much anymore but i think they're cool like a cool concept Hmm. Uh, yeah i am not a fan of found footage horror which i guess is not that shocking i think i've said this before on a previous episode i do think it's like a great way to make like a budget horror film like if you don't have a good budget and it makes it very scary so like i Mm -hmm. respect it uh and i think Blair Witch did a good job and Paranormal Activity did a good job of making like a film on a small budget and recouping a ton of profits and also being able to like launch it into film history I guess but found footage is not really my thing I just it doesn't necessarily scare me it just I don't like looking at the camera angles usually it just isn't for me it just gives me a headache. It is a bit like nauseating especially on a big screen when the camera is really shaky. That's interesting to say that because I don't find it nauseating. And when I read this, I thought that's not true. But I guess you both just confirmed that my experiences are not the truth. Apparently, when some people saw the Blair Witch, like the the people in the theater were like really nauseous from the camera movements and had to leave to vomit. Um, and like ushers told people who were like prone to motion sickness to sit in the aisle so they didn't barf on anyone else. My roommate told me that like the reason at least Blair Witch is like that but maybe not later found footage is that the cameras didn't have stabilizers in them yet and that's why like it's way shakier than our handheld cameras are now like if people are vlogging it doesn't look like blurry and weird anymore but they just like didn't have that technology yet but now like found footage is like a little bit cleaner to watch and less awful do you think found footage as a genre has gotten i guess we can actually debate this at the end once we kind of go through to from old to modern um but i want to know if they have gotten scarier or or not as scary because i guess the thing that makes it scary is the lack of visibility in and like the crappy quality and blair witch is what makes it so like like what you just said makes it so nauseating and makes it so um because you just can't see what's happening the thing i really think that we have improved upon with found footage is that we have so many other way like other cameras in our world now that aren't just like if we brought a camera out like their cell phone there's gopro there's like like whatever they call it cctv or like security surveillance footage there's desktop horror which we already did there's so many cameras everywhere now that there's lots of different angles and like ways that you could tackle found footage horror now i think American Horror Story season six Roanoke did a really good job of it. And it was definitely like an homage to Blair Witch entirely. But I loved seeing like a modern take of like, what like what would this be like if it was happening on like Facebook Live or Instagram Live? Like the live aspect of it. Like I knew it was fake, but I still got like, it felt reminiscent of like when I, when found footage horror really did scare me. Like 
I could imagine something like that happening. Like, even even if it was just like IRL, somebody pulled out their phone because they were getting mugged or something like that. Like that is something that could totally end up on Facebook Live or something like that. Um, yeah. So I think that in that way, I think people have the opportunity to be way more creative than this, like, even what Afflicted did this, like, fake documentary thing. It doesn't have to be a fake documentary. Like, we have footage of things all the time. And, like, people are filming their lives all the time now, and it's not, like, necessarily weird. There was a Snapchat horror movie. It was, like, a YouTuber kind of cast. It's called Sick House, and then it stars, like, Andrea Russell. When did it come out? Um, 2016. That's a little late for Snapchat. I guess the, the, the youth still be using Snapchat. I don't know. Alright, I have a question. Part part of catch up. Do you have you ever like filmed something and like watched footage and noticed something weird? Yes, but I don't remember what it was. Well, that f- doesn't help. The story. I'm trying to think. I don't be filming things. Like I rarely, I forget to take pictures when I go out places. <laughs> if I notice like anything that seems paranormal, I literally delete it and I'm like, bye. You know what? I was rewatching um, Paranormal Activity, which we'll get to, but say it now i realized like how i must have watched it i mean it came out in 2007 i think i watched it like right then yeah because i realized that so much of my fear and my behaviors are like directly attributed to this film like the i i know it's like a common thing to not have your leg dangling over the bed but i don't do it specifically because of this even film. the trailer they showed that part. i remember so viscerally being a kid and seeing that trailer when her uh, when the leg gets like dragged out that was it for me i was like oh i 100 percent believe i don't ever want cctv footage in my house i don't ever want to record like footage of me sleeping like i was simply like ignorance is bliss i would never record it because of this movie this movie like got mm-hmm. to me and- it got to a lot of people this movie is definitely scary though do you know anybody who has an amazon ring like the thing on the front of their door <laughs> It's like a camera that is supposed to be like to track your Amazon packages when the delivery person comes. That and like smart homes and everything. I want to see, and maybe there is one and I'm not thinking of, but I would like to see a horror movie that's like entirely people's like surveillance that they put up. Or even like something about like Amazon, like Amazon ring kind of scares me. I'm like, that's a company that you just let like see your... But it also like allows Amazon to see everybody coming to your front door, anybody coming to visit you. And they use it for like crime investigations a lot. Same with like Google Homes and Alexas that like pick up uh, audio of home invasions. They use it to solve a lot of crimes, actually. But it's like 100% recording you all the time. And I think that like that as a premise is scary of like, what if the company were to abuse that? Or what if like... A home, like somebody hacked into your system and used your cameras against you and like figured out when you weren't home and like broke it. I think about it a lot. We just straight up pitch so many movies ideas on this podcast and we got to start like we got to start copywriting our shit, man. Like someone's going to come out with this in like three years time and we're going to be like, I <laughs> The Monstrous Feminism on Apple Podcast, so please go leave us a five-star review. If you do, you might just get a shout-out on our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Melphobia from Canada, and they said, love this podcast. It's funny, it's relevant, and the hosts are amazing. You should definitely give this podcast a try if you're a fan of horror movies. Thank you so much, Mel. We really appreciate that, and we hope you have a wonderful spooky season and you get to eat tons of pumpkin treats and have a happy Halloween, even though it's not Halloween yet, and we will definitely speak to you before then. I hope you get lots of compliments on your costume if you have one, and lots of compliments on yourself. And FYI, we also are on Patreon. So for one pound a month, you gain access to our Discord. For three pounds a month, you also get to see what we cut out of our episodes with an additional episode that is uncut. And for five pounds, you get all of that, plus a bonus episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please support us in any contribution helps if you're one of our listeners from the u.s please understand that these prices will change and are not necessarily equal to a dollar so it could be more or less depending on what your currency is uh so thank you so much in the blair witch project three students travel to the backwoods in maryland to make a documentary investigating a local legend involving witchcraft which is believed to be the cause of multiple deaths and disappearances in the area Things take a turn for the worst when they become lost. They begin hearing movement outside of their tent and children's laughter, and they stumble upon strange figurations such as piled stones and stick figures. 
When one of them goes missing, things really start to go haywire. The creepiest, <laughs> the creepiest story <laughs> about moment, her, that I ever heard was that two men were out hunting uh-huh. and they were camped near the cabin or something that she's supposed to haunt. No, uh-huh. no. And they disappeared off the face of the earth. No. Really? Okay, it's all right, Ingrid. I'm just telling a scary story, but it's not true. So I found some fun facts. As you said in the kind of catch-up, it was like one of the highest, I think it was number one for films that have made the most, like, based on, like, investment return. Like, they were quite cheap to make, and they made, like, a lot of money. Um, And it was one of the most, like, successful independent movies, um, was the highest. And Blair Witch only took eight days to shoot. Um, And then my favorite, uh, I think think it's really interesting because apparently the whole thing was improv- so like they basically they just gave them an idea of the script and they convinced the actors that it was real like the whole story um they all the people that they interviewed at the start the actors thought were like townspeople but apparently they were just plants really by the director yeah so that they were interviewing them thinking it was like oh i guess they have heard about wait this wait, legend, wait wait but... wait when you say that they they tricked them did they think they were lost in the woods for days or did they think that the way they did this was they the director stayed like or the crew members stayed close to them but they were far away and they spoke well sorry they were close but not like in the near vicinity basically um and they communicated via walkie-talkie and they were given like i think a map and like points to like meet and shoot at different areas um, and apparently one scene where they're like, we've been walking all this time and we were, we're, we have, we're back where we started. That was actually a real thing that happened. Like they walked for hours and they ended up back where they started. So that was like apparently genuine frustration rather than something that was scripted. Um, essentially like, like nothing was really scripted. Wait, so what did they think they were doing? Did they think they were filming a documentary that somebody had hired them to do a documentary? Yeah, they thought they were just making a film, like, a, do- a fake documentary, but they thought, like, you know, it was based on, like, a real legend, but they were just kind of acting out a fake documentary. So they were on set, and they would, like, be in the tent, and, like, if there would be, like, little surprises, like, when they go outside and, like, tap and, like, make noises and stuff, that was, like, their genuine reaction, because they were surprised by that, like, they weren't expecting the directors to do these things and the crew members to, like, make these sounds and do these things. Um, when Josh goes missing, they play, they have him in the studio and they play his recording in the woods to like freak him out. It was also marketed as a true story. Like, I think we all know that, but the directors put up missing person signs, like at Cannes Film Festival, they put up missing person signs, um, of like the actors in the film. Uh, the, the girl, I think her name's Heather, the actress, um, her mom got like phone calls being like so sorry for your daughter's disappearance and all this stuff like people actually they had a whole fake website which like had like fake cops like on the case and details and stuff of like where these actors and stuff the disappearance like they made like this marketed as like it was a true story someone pointed out that this movie came out like i saw it in a youtube comment actually so if this was your youtube comment and you happen to listen to this podcast it's your lucky day but someone pointed out that like this movie was like the a really the first like found footage film that came out like right when the internet was really a thing for like mass public so people were more inclined to be like mm-hmm. on their computer looking at websites and advertisements and they were more tuned into like the media side of a film release and they were previously because like all the hype kind kind of came from like oh my gosh this movie has brad pitt or something yeah but like this movie's hype came solely from like how freaked out people were from the missing posters and the website and so they like were i guess we can say it's the first horror film that i guess profited off of like the popularization of yeah of media and viralness virality of it yeah I think it's also a lot like a lot of people who don't watch horror movies who have never seen a horror movie have seen Blair Witch Project like a lot of them like this is the one that they like piques their interest enough to watch I've noticed even now I guess because like it's not like it's scary and it's but it's like a digestible one like it's actually it's quite slow right like there's not a whole lot of there's action there's no gore no, really 
it evoked in me the same like visceral physical reaction that other horror movies do because I'm so goddamn frustrated. Like it really raises my blood pressure to imagine being in a situation like this. Like I get I get worked up when the car is lost in the parking lot and I'm like, we are never getting out of here. <laughs> like it's it's actually like a very terrifying like situation, especially with men, all men. There's a point on that. So I apparently allegedly like Heather, the actress, brought a knife with her because she didn't like the idea of just like being in the woods with two actor men, like male actors. And she was like, I'll get this all from IMDb. So if it's wrong, like don't sue me. But apparently like she also was fearful that it might actually be a snuff film. Like she was like going yeah. to film something that might actually be a snuff film because because also they were like very much hyping it up and like acting like it was real and stuff it would have been kind of creepy to be on set and i think she had a lot of backlash and then eventually like didn't from this performance and then eventually like didn't like kind of quit acting none of them come off very like well by the end of it like the guys are annoying mostly because they like outnumber her and i can imagine like that must be the worst like what like that map situation when he said he like kicked the map into the creek that is really what what like sent me to the great beyond and like my levels of frustration mm. but she is also mad annoying like the way that she won't put down she the is. camera she puts it in their face when they're like having these emotional breakdowns or having these moments when they just like want to have with themselves and she's like the movie is all i have fine girl film yourself but like people are trying to like <laughs> like sort through their emotions and she's like sticking a camera in their face i feel like that's a fatal flaw with like that's something that irks me about the genre because no matter what like especially if it's like this documentary Why style are you like filming we talked it? about or like whatever yeah y- they have to be some kind of annoying protagonist to justify why they keep filming everything and it's always a bit of a reach and no one would reasonably I don't know there are some weird people on YouTube though who really do film things that they shouldn't yeah there are no like vloggers and stuff but they're not pleasant like that's what I mean like I feel like the protagonist is kind of always gonna be iffy I want to say that they turn on each other quickly in this film because the the, the movie is an hour and twenty minutes, so I think that like it, it like it I don't know it feels like it speeds up very quickly. Like the situation escalates. Like there's a midpoint where like the panic sets in and like their interpersonal horror escalates, and then there's like another sort of climactic point in the last like ten minutes when things sort of escalate in horror. But it, it yeah. they, they do turn on each other quickly, and you get the, and you do get the sense that they're not friends like they're people who are like if Mm. they do empathize with each other it's in this like very humanistic way where they think they're gonna die and like you you kind of have to like you if if this is especially when there's when when josh goes missing and it's just the two of them and they only have each other and they have these like moments where all they can do is like hold each other and like you know have these like existential moments where they're looking at the stars they're like oh i would love a cheeseburger right now like that felt like very human and like they sort of like reconciled their things but i did get the sense that like if they were close friends going into this a lot of this like turning on each other would not have happened like they didn't like each other from the get and i think that like yeah yeah that that kind of tension made me feel like that was the horror to me i was like this is scary yeah they were research students though and i think like an element of being a student is like a competitiveness that doesn't necessarily exist when you get out of like the rat race of school particularly when you're in like uh post-graduate degrees like there's a level of competitiveness for like money for grants and for opportunities and so the underlying competitiveness definitely i think was a reason why they turned on each other so quickly whereas like in the other situations the people were dating or they were like best friends who were like on a vacation together so like there was no real reason to turn on each other but also like just i feel like an afflicted one of the a myths was just how calm his friend was but like you're a vampire (laughs) in afflicted but also in blair witch Actually, in all of these, I have a question for y'all. At what point do you, as a sane and rational person, accept that the situation is is supernatural? Immediately. I mean, once he punched the wall. Children's laughter, probably, that point. Like, that was, like, there's not a bunch of kids in the woods. But you like, wouldn't think that you were, like, delusions or anything like that? That you were, like, hungry? No, because I'm not 
I don't think I'd be I I kind of trust my peace of mind and I've had some sort of like paranormal encounters before which I did originally write off as delusion and they came back to not be delusion <laughs> so I was like when when my friend then had the same kind of experience so I was a bit like I I kind of trust my intuition if it feels supernatural then it's supernatural like I'm not really I'm kind of gullible anyways but like in general I'm gonna trust my gut and I'm a believer in such things so if it's looking like if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, I'm going to say it's a I do feel like they all took duck. a very long time to like come to the conclusion that something was afoot. Like, wait, is it actually a witch? What? Are you kidding? Why do they keep <laughs> returning to this? Like, where in America, there's nowhere you can get lost in America anymore. I'm like, what is... Are you serious? You can... This is a this huge is before, country. Like, cell phones as well. <laughs> this is a huge country. You can absolutely get lost in most of America. Not even just america like any vast woodland space like you're gonna fuck up and like get lost if you're not used to this when i realized they were in maryland my instinct was to be like oh i would literally keep walking east until i reach the ocean but maybe that's a delusional plan as well i don't know like my directions well enough to be in the woods so yeah how do you know north south east? oh i guess they had a compass they had a but the compass. compass wasn't working or something yeah Remind me, why did he throw it into the woods? Because I, I read that he was actually, so that actor was like told to do it beforehand. Um, this is like part of the improv thing. And then he was told, the, the others didn't actually know. So it was kind of a genuine reaction who would have lost the map. And then he reveals it later to get like, to gauge a reaction. All he says is that he, that the map wasn't helping them and that he got fresh, like the map was, wasn't working anyway. And then the girl, this was the most frustrating kid to me because the girl is like, it doesn't matter if it wasn't helpful to you. There's no reason to throw it out people always make jokes about how men are with directions and like if they can't figure something out they just get angry in this instance where the guy throws out the map it felt like well now i know they told him to do that but i felt like an instance of just like his ego because she was the only one who could read the map and he's like the map is useless because he couldn't read it and she kept like insisting to him she's like the map is useless to you i knew where we were on the map to you yeah. and, like that felt like I mean, the other guy was was much kinder to her, but I think he was having less of a uh, like mental health crisis than the other one. But it felt like an instance <laughs> of like a, like his ego getting like reaching an inflation point, and he just like lost it. You know, I didn't know this from just I wouldn't have got it from just watching it. But apparently, a lot of people when I was reading about it, apparently a lot of people didn't like really believe like well like the legend or whatever and they thought maybe it was like a snuff film where like mike and josh actually co-conspired to kill um heather and that was like the main thing that people cited of like why would anyone like people just didn't believe that like why would he throw out the map like who did that serve like was he trying to deliberately like basically gaslight heather and get her to this weird isolated house and plot all these things and yeah um so that was like one thing that people thought happened that it was a snuff film and that they killed heather and that there was no blair witch is the blair witch like a real myth or is it, it was completely no, made up for they the movie? made it up completely made up but people thought it was so they, people were so convinced that all like the the wackos like who love to film these things and seek them out with like a green light camera at night like flooded to that town in maryland to try to like capture something but quickly found out that it wasn't real um they also the actors also didn't have like on their imbd pages it deliberately said that they were missing so like they really like kept this up wow for a year i think for a year until this was like how released. um everything is like always uh scarier when it feels like it's based on a true story like if i can write something off in my head as being fantasy and like that's not that scary but like something about anytime you're watching a horror movie, even if it's like something not even that scary. I had like one more, I guess, question or point. That part where he's like, I see why you like this video camera so much. It's not quite reality. Like he says that literally. And then he like says a little bit more and he has like a monologue about it when they're fighting about like why she keeps sticking the camera in people's face. And he steals the camera and starts like filming for himself. And then after that point, mm -hmm. After he says that, and it sort of like breaks the fourth wall a little bit, and like what they know and don't know, and like what the intention of the film is, and like what they want you to be thinking about, about like what is real and what isn't. Like I, that point onward in the movie, I like watch it very differently than the first half. Because like, it's this acknowledgement on the part of both the character and the actor that like, 
this is meant to like toy with your sense of like what what is what how much of this is real and how much of these emotions are like I think when you're in front of a camera you're always acting a little bit like if you're aware that you're being filmed there's like you're you know like it's just human instinct to like you know that it'll be watched later and you're like self-conscious of it so that that made me feel like even if this was like 100% true they are putting it on a little bit for the camera or now in Louisa what you've said about like like some of these emotions were real and the filmmakers made an environment where they like actually felt mm -hmm. fear or frustration now that, that that line feels like a little like even more like sinister a little bit um I think yeah base I was just about to say like basically because the actors are just being like kind of manipulated and gaslit and like tricked the whole time anyway throughout the whole filming process they did that with Nomadland where like some of the scenes where she was in the Amazon factories none of the people knew that they were shooting a movie and that she was not really an Amazon worker which I feel like when you do stuff like that technically it's very if it's like if a, if a PhD student would not get their degree if they did it you shouldn't do it in a movie that's honestly the rule of thumb that I think is a thing like if you would <laughs> not get a degree because of the ethics or something then you should not be able to do it in a movie Mm -hmm. But a lot of horror movies like cross that boundary without even meaning to, especially with child actors who get fucked up by things that they experience in the filming process. Like, I don't think it's the intention of the directors to traumatize them, but like it happens like people's boundaries of what is real and what is fake, even for adults gets like blurred in the process of filming these things. Apparently the final scene Heather said was, or maybe on set, but on IMDb was so emotion that she was like crying about it, like weeks after the filming stopped so like you're right to be kind of unnerved as a viewer seeing as you're watching a very disorientated cast try to navigate the situation also believing this lie of a film also yeah it, it's just it's kind of bizarre my last fun fact was that there was this um you know when she shouts what the fuck is that they were meant to pan to like some crew member dressed in like um he, he was wearing a white gown in the distance and like running but like because like one of the actors was like holding the camera he forgot to pan to it so you were, you never see the witch and that kind of would have ruined it completely because like the genius was like that you don't see her so if you just saw this random guy like in the distance running with a gown it would that's have been so like, funny so that like the, the like iconic thing about this and like the genius of like the horror where you don't see the scary thing that like this thing gets credit for was completely an accident yeah, well, I'm not too sure because it also said it was inspired by Jaws where you don't see the thing. We see the Jaws. So I was like, so what is the truth? But you know how it's like signaled beforehand with the yellow um, barrels mm. and stuff. and Or not yellow barrels, sorry, but like um, with people diving underneath in the first opening scene, like when she gets pulled under and like certain other instances. Like it's kind of hinted at before it's shown. It's only shown like halfway through or something like that. If they, when the people who made Jaws, if they saw the Meg, then they would be intimidated and they would know they had to make him bigger. Come on, Meg. Are you saying like a, like a basically dick measure and dick contest, with, but with it sharks? needs to be bigger because we're not intimidated <laughs> like anymore. Like emasculated by the Meg. <laughs> I insisted that we keep going. I insisted that we walk south. Everything had to be my way. And this is where we've ended up. And it's all because of me that we're here now. Hungry. And cold. And hunted. In the first pair of normal activity, young couple Kate and Micah have just moved in together when they start experiencing unexplained occurrences in their home, such as strange whispers and loud bangs. Micah documents everything that happens using a new camera which he sets up beside their bed every night. Kate reveals that these kind of strange supernatural phenomena used to happen to her and her sister when they were younger. Micah consistently dismisses Kate's fears of a demonic presence until things turn so sinister even he can no longer ignore it. You promised me you weren't going to- you look at me like that. You promised me you weren't going to mess with that stuff. No. I promised you I wasn't going to buy a Ouija board. Oh, I didn't oh, buy a Ouija board. You mean exactly what I meant. I borrowed a Ouija board. What scared you? You mean exactly what I meant. I said don't mess with that stuff because it scared me. What do you do? You go out and you get the best looking fucking Ouija board I've ever seen and you put it in the middle of our living room? Explain that to me. Micah was like annoying this one, but he was also a ride or die because I mean, if my partner was like 
there was a, there's a demon haunting me. It has been since I was a child. I think I would probably peace out. He does have a meltdown about it, rightfully so. Like he was like, "You didn't tell me we moved in together. You didn't tell me about this. I would have had the biggest bitch fit you've ever seen." I feel like I've been tricked. <laughs> um. <laughs> Lied, bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> If somebody told me early in the relationship, I think it's something we could work on. I would immediately like get us. I would get a spiritual no, advisor. Not. I would like. I would rem- at least help you to attempt to remove the demon from your no, spirit. No, Zeba, you are loyal. I'm simply out. I think I've exposed myself as not a ride or die on here, but you know, it's fine. Imagine having a demon attached to you and nobody wants to date you. It would I'm be sorry, really that's a sad. personal problem. <laughs> I feel like we just watch, especially with Fear Street too. Like we, they weren't even together; they were exes. And we just watch films where people are like obscenely loyal, and I'm just like, I'm simply like, I don't understand. The man in this movie is awful. Yeah, he should have just left her. Like, why are you gonna make her feel like shit all the time and like dismiss her? He's like consistently. The thing like, that like that like I mean, this is probably definitely supposed to get to you, and was the excuse for why he was like filming all the time when they weren't sleeping was he, like really wanted to make a sex tape. He was so excited to be dropping uh, hints. He wanted to make that sex tape, and she repeatedly said no. But that was his reason for like carrying the camera around all the time. I'm like, what do you think she's about to strip right here, right now? I know that I'm always comparing horror to porn, but this was a porn set house. Like, I know that, like, I'm sure it was, like, low budget and that they, like, have these houses that are, like, already furnished for rent. This was his house. No. This was Oren Pelly, the director's house. I refuse. He had several. No, no, no. This was a porn house. (laughs) No. But basically, this was his own house. He got the idea because a, a box of detergent fell off a shelf and it was not close to the edge of the counter so he was like why did it fall so he started thinking of a film and he like he spent a year redecorating his house and like painting repainting and adding a railing what would be the headline for this like like he's definitely trying to like have a setup and it's like man tries to have amateur sex tape with girlfriend but instead sees ghost and it's like all caps and it's on Pornhub like that's what I kept picturing (laughs) you want it to happen she did have, uh, wait, this is going to be, mm, don't know if I should say it, but she did have like, very, she's a very um, well-endowed actress. And I feel like there were a lot of like close-up like chest shots of her to like really emphasize that. So I can kind of see what you're talking about. She's, she's busty. What's respe- What's a respectful way of saying that? I really don't know. I don't have boobs. And if I, if I did, maybe I'd know a respectful way to talk about them. I simply don't. Big mommy milkers is the respectful terminology, <laughs> <Big mommy> actually. <laughs> <laughs> because they made the porn point that I was like, it did feel a little yeah. bit of like a lot of close-up kind of boob shots which I don't really... Other than that, I don't think her press are relevant. The boyfriend looked like Ben Shapiro. I want you to sit with that. <laughs> Apparently, the actors were only paid 500 bucks for this film each. I believe it. They renegotiated when it blew up. So, But I was like, that's wild. They made it with $500. Did Afflicted have music in it? Because the thing that I noticed most that like, made it feel real to me is that neither of these had like a score, music sound effects of any kind and those like i've said before like those are normally the things that scare me but i think that like that added to the authenticity of it that there were these like moments of like dead ass silence or just like maybe you hear like a shuffling around or something but like it made all the sound intentional like i was never questioning is this something i'm meant to be hearing all like yeah i'm meant to be hearing all of it it's not like a weird glitch in the score or like an instrumental that's like kind of sounds like something in the other room or something like that i think mm-hmm. it like attuned my ears to it i can't remember if afflicted had music but it did feel like more edited especially in the parts where they're like setting up the vlog so that like the rest of it felt like also more staged i mean we can get to afflicted i'm still back on like general found footage as well but like with afflicted mm-hmm. there the it, the year it was made was like vlog central i forget was it 24 14 it was when it came out 2013 2013 like like youtube was a very different place than like i know you don't want me to talk about slender man but there's something about like found footage that they let the audience find has like a completely different effect on people like 100 percent people thought that was real because like it is 80 hours of unedited clips 
like and they let just let you sort through it yourself and like almost in a way that like horror video games are like a choose your own adventure type of thing and it really like it i think enacts people's like the same fascination people have with true crime where they're like i'm gonna figure this out i'm gonna like see the thing that's moving in the background that no one else is gonna see and like put all the timelines together and like figure shit out and do whatever whatever there's an element of like youtube where people do that a lot and like that is its own genre of found footage because people make fake versions of that but this like vlog style to me is not like and like and it, it feels the same as blair witch and the same as paranormal activity and that like it lets the audience do the work of like finding out what is scary whereas like something hyper edited like a vlog i'm like well this isn't that fun at all you're pointing the camera at the scary thing and showing me what it is i don't get to do any yeah. sleuthing I think the acting in Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch, I guess, is, like, really good, considering it was, like, all improv and stuff. It feels bad. It feels bad if it was scripted, but... It feels like a real video that people would make and how she would act. Something that, like, added to the authenticity of, like, these last two that we've been talking about, I think, as well, is that they they look a little bit uncomfortable on camera. Like, when they know that the camera's pointing at them, sometimes they, like, look directly at it or, like, will speak directly to it in a way that, like other movies just would never have the opportunity for that to happen so like all these times where he's like not believing her and they're having fights and he's like in the same way with Blair Witch where she's like pointing the camera at them when they're like having a moment of distress I get the sense that like this doesn't feel like an actor because she looks she wants you to turn the camera off like she looks uncomfortable that this is being recorded I wanted to ask you guys what you think more about Mika and his machismo because I was like so like how he spoke to the demon was like really just jarring to me. I wrote down like a like a myriad of like quotes, but he's like, "Is this all you got? You're worthless. This is my house. You're my girlfriend." He was talking to Kay then. He's like, "You're gonna fuck with us. Show yourself. I'll take care of it." You know, it's very much like he talks about it as if it's like an actual man in the house who's just like somehow hidden, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very much wrapped up in his own masculinity like especially at one point kate says you're powerless like what are you doing he gets like riled by that comment because it's like i think it honestly upsets his like ego or something and i thought that was interesting given like what creed says on possession which is she's speaking about the exorcist but possession was like an excuse for women to act out taboos and particularly of a sexual nature so if you're considering that kind of sexual element here obviously like kate doesn't want anything to do with it but i think there is like an element because of how he acts when he's treating this demon almost as it's like a male rival gonna hurt his girlfriend kind of thing i feel like it adds like a sexual element to like the whole possession as an allegory for rape and horror kind of conversation that we've had before so yeah i just thought that was really weird how his like male ego is like wrapped up in treating this as if it's like a male burglar or a male home invader and not a supernatural demonic force which it clearly is i don't understand how like him and kate had been in a racial relationship for years and it never came up previously that she might be being haunted by a supernatural entity. Like, he never spent the night at her house. They explain it in the second one. The universe has a lot of lore. Like, they, there's, like, many, like, prequel type of movies, yeah, where they, like, go back to, like, how the haunting started and give all that context. I actually think, in terms of paranormal activity franchises, I mean, I think after number two, it's a bit, or not even number three, rather, it gets a bit, like, stupid, but... Um, I would say that one and two are like, that's a prequel sequel kind of paranormal activity too that I actually really like. Um, and I think they did a lot to like give and weave in backstory in a way that made sense. It was a movie that like begged for a prequel. Like they didn't give us no context really in this one. <laughs> Straight up like, she's haunted. There's a demon. You're going to deal with it for this whole film. <laughs> But they went back and they explained it really well. And, like, I like the fact, like, the whole idea of, like, the sister was, like, the sister had the demon and got possessed and her husband, like, transferred it to Kate. And then the storylines happen simultaneously for a little while. And then Kate goes and kidnaps the sister's son because someone back in time made a sacrifice or a deal with the devil or whatever, apparently, to sacrifice the firstborn son. And he was the first one that cropped up in their gene pool. They said hereditary. (laughs) Honestly, but in the third one, they even have a secret cult that happens. So like a secret woman cult. There are three alternate endings. 
in number one, number one is the longest and kind of wild, and it involves some sort of shootout. But basically, she carries Mika's body, throws it at the camera, kind of similar. She returns to the bedroom alone. She uses a knife to kill Mika, and then she sits against the bed and, like, rocks back and forth. Um, her friend comes and discovers Mika's body downstairs, calls the police. Uh, police come. They find possessed Kate playing with this knife. She suddenly snaps out of her demonic possession, uh, asks about Mika, uh, some more like attic, a door slams by itself, officer panics, accidentally shoots and kills her, and fades to black. Wow, is it an abolitionist alternate ending? It's a really weird one. Yeah, and like, yeah, so the camera fades to black, the police can try to look for the source of the sound, but obviously there's nothing. So that was one, that was wild. Um, So that was the original one. Alternate ending is that Katie, after killing Mika off screen, comes back upstairs alone and she closes the bedroom door, approaches the camera, faces the camera, slits her own throat and commits suicide. And then she drops to the floor and the camera fades to black. And then a brainstormed ending that never got shot was that Kate would corner Mika, bludgeon him to death with his camera um, and the viewers would be in like POV watching him die. Um, But that was thought to be too complicated. I think they chose the right ending. The ambiguity of it is good enough for me. I didn't really as need to know As soon as I googled next. it to see how many uh, movies it was, I saw that they said Steven Spielberg told them which ending to choose. How did they know him? I, I don't know. That's something I would lie about in an interview. I'd be like, yeah, me and Steven, we're close. <laughs> Just like name drop someone random. <laughs> I think Steven Spielberg said he was a really big fan of the film, though, so I think he probably did have some involvement or something like that. Yeah, we've kind of we we kind of touched on the hype around this film a little bit when we were doing our initial catch up. But I feel like I remember this movie being a big deal when it came out. Like maybe when like because a lot of people really did believe deal. it, and I think a lot of it had to do with the promotion and the trailers and that you know, the message that they put at the beginning, like, you know, that sort of implies that this is real or true. And it's, yeah. But I feel like not since Blair Witch have people really, like, maybe the, like, Exorcist before that, have people had, like, a reaction like this to a horror movie. Like, it it really was, like, a sensation, truly. Yeah, it was huge. I remember in high school, it was, like, the big thing for everyone to go watch these movies in theaters. But I'm surprised that we didn't get more found footage horror after it. Like they had, they just like ran the game and did all their sequels pretty much. And we didn't see very many, like if there were, they weren't particularly popular. So like, it felt like a sort of flash in the pan situation. After this, it was like all about franchises. It was all about like insidious, conjuring, sinister, all of those that like sort of had these like tight universes. I think that strategy works really well for the studios and like depending on the franchise, like I will probably, like if I enjoy the first out of a franchise, I'm probably going to see the rest. Maybe not necessarily in theaters, but like I've seen all, I've seen all of the conjurings. They've gotten worse over time and it's like, that's a bummer. But like, I think those are like the money makers and I think paranormal activity, if not setting off like a found footage revolution 100% like an extended universe franchise revolution I definitely think they made people realize like if you can get people hooked on a concept you can make infinite amount of monies on it but then people were doing that with Friday the 13th they were doing that with like all kinds of like older ones but like I think people had gotten bored with it they didn't make Friday the 13th close enough together where people cared but paranormal activity felt like every year for a decade there was a new paranormal activity I've pretty much heard people say up until three, people say they're pretty good. I think there should have just been three. Which, I mean, that's still a lot to accomplish because The Hangover was not good up until three movies. That's the bar we measure all trilogies by, actually. I think Paranormal was, like, good just because... You know how you are saying, Zeba, that there was, like, a kind of evolution within found footage horror as we had different mediums? Paranormal Activity was good at doing that. Like, it did, like, first a handheld camera Blair Witch vibe. Then it did security CCTV in the next one. And the third one, I can't remember. I think it was, like, home videos. Yeah, home videos and stuff. So it went a bit more back-in-time vintage. But I think in the fourth one, like, some of it's filmed on, like, it's actually a desktop horror um, I think it's filmed on like half on the little girl's, not little girl, the teenage girl's laptop or something. Probably actually was one of the first sex top tours, not come to think of it. Forgot to mention it in the episode. I think Unfriended was the one that was like 
huge put it on the map but i guess paranormal activity must have done it first depending on when that fourth one came out i think i'm doing more harm being here than any good yes i really have got to leave and Dr. Avery's will be back in a few days, and when he gets back here, he'll take care of all the problems. What should we do? Should we, should we leave? Should we? Leaving won't help at all. Let me see what I can do, but I've got, I've got to leave this room right now. This is no joke. I will help you. I will help you, but I, I can't do this right now. No, 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 no. In Afflicted, two friends, Derek and Cliff, decide to travel the world and vlog their experience, despite the fact that Derek has an AVM and could die any moment. While in Barcelona, Derek goes home with a woman he meets at a bar named Audrey. Cliff later discovers him in the hostel with deep scratches and wounds all over him and Audrey nowhere to be found. The pair assume it was a robbery and move on to Italy. Derek stops eating food, develops a sensitivity to sunlight, adopts superhuman strength, and starts experiencing an intense craving for blood. All the while, Cliff documents Derek's evolution and uploads the videos to their platform. Cliff deduces that Derek has become a vampire and they attempt to find him a supply of blood by breaking into a blood bank and hijacking an ambulance. Eventually, Derek's hunger puts him in a monstrous catatonic trance, during which he attacks and fatally wounds Cliff. Upon feeding, Derek breaks out of the trance. Interpol agents begin hunting Derek down for his previous crimes, all captured by the videos, which now have gone viral. Meanwhile, Derek continues to film everything to honor Cliff, and he goes on the hunt for Audrey, believing she will know the cure to his condition. All right, I'm Cliff Rose. And I'm Derek Lee, and tomorrow we're going on a year-long trip around the world! We're going to film the entire thing, and we're going to post it online as a travel blog. It's going to be epic. like I've seen several movies recently with vampirism and people are convinced there's a cure in each one and I'm like well I mean I mean on the sims on the sims there actually is and you can make it at the bars once you master the vampire skill that's <laughs> relevant I just think like there's nothing in lore I think to suggest that there's a cure right so why do they immediately I don't know why he's so insistent on like undoing it you know what? There was that disease. I think it's porphyria's disease, uh, which was associated with vampirism or like a lot of the myth about vampirism came from this myth. Why are they so convinced that there's a cure that she has, but before he like it clicks that he's a vampire, why do they never go to a hospital? Like he's having just symptoms for a while and they never go to a hospital. They never even consider it. I guess because he already had like the disease. So they probably just assumed it was like d disease progression or something. Okay, go get you some. Like there's things hospitals could do to like help your symptoms, even if you're like terminal. Like why are they content to let him suffer? There's a lot of like, I think, reaching that we had to do. And I feel like that was one of them because that was explained away with him with like one Aggie line where he like, I think it's before he punches the wall where he's like, if we go, then they'll never let me leave because of my AVM. Yeah. I mean, I do think like both in this and Blair Witch, like these are reactions that I would expect from like, man, I think this isn't the farthest from the truth reaction. <laughs> but like punching a wall in. I don't know. The other part, which we kind of talked about before with like when they have to keep filming, his reason for continuing like, okay, Cliff filming him because he's like having supernatural powers. You're a dick, but I guess I could buy it. But you are exploiting your friend for clicks on your YouTubes or whatever. What I absolutely could not buy was why Derek would continue filming to honor Cliff's memory. But like you're filming all these horrific moments. It feels like something like an influencer YouTuber might do. But that's why I was like questioning like whether this was like meant to be a commentary on that like 2013 vlogging, like recording everything, everything must be documented, clickbait culture. The reason why I'm struggling to believe that that might be a commentary is because I think these two people who made this actually did have some sort of like YouTube skit channel. The beginning parts, the where they're like sort of setting like they're having the party and they're sort of like, like we're watching the vlogs as if we are the audience and they're like super edited they're just like explaining the situation are just they felt like parody a little bit like enough that like i was prepared for this to be like making fun of somebody who would do something like this like bro you're dying we don't need to see you die actually like if, if you want to show if you want to show like all the pasta you're eating in italy fine but i don't need to see this man suffer 
for your vlogs. Especially because they're his friends. Like, they have that whole party. Like, all your friends are watching you screaming and crying and throwing up right now. I mean, I guess, like, when you're traveling with your guy, you have, like, less concerns about going off with a random girl you don't know. But, like, I am very, very paranoid about going off with people I don't know in general, just no matter what their gender is. But, like, his friends didn't seem that concerned that he was going off with this girl he knew all of maybe 15 minutes. And then they found him bloodied up and they weren't like, we need to call the police because I think she assaulted him or like did something to him. They were like, clean yourself up and let's go to the next country. <laughs> there was a point at which like he just simply needed to go to the hospital. And like the only thing I could think was like being a vampire isn't illegal. I mean, the government would definitely like seize him. <laughs> I mean, good. At this point, he's a killing machine. They need to like he's um, like he's uncontrollable what didn't make sense to me is like even when they were like let's rob the ambulance and stuff i thought it would have made more sense for them to like break into a hospital or go to a hospital and for him to like go into their blood supply they were literally in front of that cart of blood they were in they were in front of a cart of blood and didn't take it they were like let's do let's grand theft auto the ambulance it's so deranged I'm stupid. I don't. I also just don't like. Honestly, if I felt like I was going under this transformation, I would keep it under wraps. And they were like, "Let's do the most illegal thing I can possibly think of and hijack an ambulance." I was like, "What kind of thought process? Like, this is not Let's GTA." Let's say you get in the blood. He he's full of blood for a while. He's good to go. Now what? Yeah. Now what? And also, and they've incriminated themselves. By filming their entire route, their entire plan, where they're staying, where they're hiding. I don't know at what speed he's uploading these videos or if they all get uploaded after. But I'm like, you, you, it's beyond, it's, it's without logic. They're acting on they no impulse, not even. <laughs> but I feel like it's like a part of it that makes it feel like it's a commentary in, with this is like there's no way that they can have this much nonsense going on without it being like maybe they're doing it for the content because they feel like it's what's interesting to be watched and not going by logic anymore because I'm like logically the best thing would have to do would have been just to go to the hospital and take some of the blood donation stuff that they use for blood transfusions but for some odd reason, like, that never even came up. They just went for, like, the most over-the-top explanations for everything. Or even when he, when he like, cuts his hand and tries to, like, give Derek the blood himself, like, from himself. And he goes, like, Derek, I got it. The man had less than a Capri Sun's worth of blood in that jar. Also, why are you having an open wound around a vampire? You, the, it's beans for brains. There's no other explanation for it. I mean, you have a great point. That was just so tense. And I was like, I simply would not do that. Like, I don't want if. Okay, let's say your blood could sustain him for a while. I don't really want to train my new vampire friend to have a like taste for my own blood specifically. I would simply peace out. (laughs) Like, it's not like he can fly and find me. I would politely be like, yeah, I got you and take the next flight out. As soon as he started being, as soon as they did, they actually came up to the conclusion that they needed to kill someone and they were both like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> That's why I felt like this was like giving more of a thriller because I feel like thrillers are more likely to ask you to like suspend your disbelief for the sake of like the action that follows. Like, and the action is fun. It's like POV, you're Edward Cullen running through Italy and the Volturi is chasing you. Like, that's what it was like. (laughs) And this movie felt very similar to like Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Nightcrawler where like they definitely felt villainy. Like, it's not like he was fighting hard to like have to not kill people he was edward did it first let me find a blood bank or something him and his friend came very quickly to the conclusion that they needed to kill people and they were not very discriminate about who it had to be it was just they didn't necessarily find anyone in time and the way that like then when they realized that he was hungry and they didn't realized that there was probably like a time period before he became like ravenous and indiscriminate about who he kills um was also dumb <laughs> like um clearly when you lose control like i mean you get hangry if you go like 12 hours without eating mm. and you're not a vampire so if you go <laughs> days without eating and you are a vampire you're starving like clearly something's going to happen but they just were not coming to that conclusion and this movie also felt like a bit like it follows in a way they have like the they he kind of came to like the same conclusion of like let me just find people who are disposable for society 
Um, and so the whole like who to pass it to because he ended up passing it to his friend and um, finding disposable people to society to con contract your disease or to kill uh, felt very like it follows. And this girl was like, I chose you because... Um because I thought you were dying. So uh, yeah, I said that this film is like It Follows Meet Spring and plus the Italy location. I thought it was very similar. Um, also, I thought it was, again, kind of like It Follows, well, exactly like It Follows. There's that strong like STI metaphor, like how he gets it is by hooking up with this random chick in a bar and then he also immediately deduces that it was in fact her. I mean, to be fair, he's not far off from doing that because he woke up with like scratches and stuff or whatever. But like they don't once consider like food or whatever, like something strange that I ate. It's like, it was that girl. I got it from her. She has a cure, this constant emphasis on a cure that we've all kind of sought. Why is he so hell bent on curing vampirism? Well, he like takes her friend or whatever and puts him in the chair and is like, I'm gonna tie you, tie you up here until she like comes to save you. Felt very like it follows and like setting a trap for the creature and everything. However, I feel like they just went about things in the dumbest way the entire film. I don't know if they actually did think to make it a commentary of like how far people go to create content. At no point did they make logical decisions. Everything just seemed like it was to make the situation like more exciting for the viewer to watch even when derek makes his final video right before he dies and like what makes you think you owe anything to your audience right now like it was almost like okay here's the grand finale and like that is what also like like bugged me about the structure of the movie i thought it ended three four times they had so many places where it like could have had like a a solid, well-rounded ending. And then there was just more plot. And I'm like, it's still going. I thought it could have ended after Derek offed himself. I thought it could have ended before he like started hunting pedophiles. I thought it could have ended on a cliffhanger. Mm. Like repeatedly, they kept having these like finales. And then I realized I'm like, oh, it's because the audience is expecting to see what happened and like how this concludes. Like the audience, the like vlog audience. Not not that it's on purpose. I don't like that it, it did that. I, like, it frustrated me that it kept going. Oh, you're making it seem like it was more thought out than it like, was. YouTubers will make, like, an apology video, and then they'll make a follow-up apology video, and then they'll be, like, reacting to your comments on my apology video. So it does feel very much like how people always expect more, even when there is, like, a finale for something. There's, like, this constant desire for more content and more instant gratification. Well, my thing is, like, after after Derek dies, why does why is Cliff making snuff films now? Like that, like I'm confused. Like why? Like even if you're seeking justice or you're doing whatever, or you're gonna continue to live your life as this like moral vampire or whatever, why are you filming it? Why are we still yeah. filming it? I think the Jake Paul thing is what brought this into horror. Like the one hundred percent. Like people were really Logan. Inspired it was by Logan that. Paul who went into like that forest. Logan Paul literally filmed uh, that forest where people have been seen to, or many people have gone to commit suicide. Here's another movie that someone can steal up for grabs. Just do a good job with it. Uh, is if someone does like a TikTok horror type film where there's like a trend where there's like an audio trend. But when you play the audio, you unleash something. And Ooh, like every die. person that it does, it's just they they all die. And then some people figure it out and they're like trying to beat it and figure out how to decode the audio or whatever to figure so out what's like inside of it. So it's like the ring meets TikTok. I like it. Because like there's it. ways to use social media and like new media outlets in a fun way in horror. But I think like sometimes the social commentary just doesn't land because it either comes off like too girl bossy, too traumatic or like too you don't understand how humans work. Like like I said before, it, there's so much opportunity now because we have so many other forms of camera or like, like I think the thing that like is being missed out and because found footage is always like after the fact and we don't emphasize that like, I think live, like live tweeting, live vlogging, li like Instagram lives are like, like a huge source of like horrific things could happen on any of those and like, a, a really interesting way to play with the audience because we we engage with things 
as they happen. Everything happens so quickly. So that there's something less scary about like, I'm watching this after. I feel like it's very shocking that no one's did like when a stranger calls meets Instagram live or someone's Instagram living while they're doing some sort of event. And then someone comes on and starts making creepy comments and like can see them. And it feels very like the call is coming from inside. The I guess house. cam girl is kind of like that. I'm gonna be straight up and just say I don't really like any social media horror. I find it corny, cheesy, uh, I like searching stupid. because I felt like it, it made me feel creepy about That's not horror. Media. That's a that's like a thriller, which is fine. That's fine. I'll leave searching where it is. But I feel like people just don't use it well. <laughs> like the way that they use it doesn't feel like real to how people use things. It's also too temporal for me. Like I feel like trends like like you said, the Snapchat movie, you're like, that's even late for Snapchat. I like things move on too quickly for the because like by the time the movie's made, by the time it's promoted, by the time it's released, by the time it's received, you know, there's some things that are like timeless in terms terms of like Facebook is still like timeless per se. Yeah, but even like they have little functions that evolve within the app. I just feel like there's too many, there's too too quick an evolution to make something that I'm going to be that engaged with. Like I was engaged with like desktop horror or paranormal or Blair Witch. You know what I mean? There's not enough apps that I feel like go viral enough for there to be an app horror movie and be like, oh, this is a widespread app that people are downloading. Because I'm like, the last thing that I remember being insanely popular was like, what, Among Us and Temple Run? And those are games. Oh my God, Temple Run. Yeah. But it could be interest. It could be interesting to see like filmmakers make up a platform and like teach us the rules of it and how people use it. It doesn't have to literally be something we're familiar with. Because I think that's what makes Black Mirror's Black Mirror was scary because like the whole what is it nosedive episode did feel very real oh, to like God, how yeah. Instagram and social media feels with like the likes and the validation and the comparison and the obsessing over people you don't really know's lives that felt very real to social media but those like vague feelings around it and they didn't necessarily take like the exact app design they even actually enhanced it which I think is like sort of what you're saying louisa by the time stuff comes out you're like this isn't even how the app works anymore so like if they just upped it yeah if they updated it and made be like oh like you can do x x functions now like that might work but it's just like the way that i think people do technological horror that just does not work well it misses well, it's super interesting to see like i mean we did touch on this during the the desktop horror but like technology has always been a part of horror like even if it's like a phone call when we're talking about black christmas and like the technology of the ring and like the the vcr and like like it it feels like it's bound to have this natural evolution and it feels and it is corny right now because we're trying to like they're trying to show us something that we're living in presently so like it doesn't feel authentic but i do think there is a lot of potential especially if they do that black mirror thing of like future thinking of like what what a world could look like and catastrophizing it in that way for sure i do think yeah it can they can take it in interesting directions but like we're kind of getting at they're just not imaginative enough or they're too they're far too literal and they're sticking like to this dogma of an app that's going to be irrelevant by the time the film's released it's like why would i care about this i think they did try to switch because there was like that movie with like a voicemail like one missed call but honestly i don't remember what that movie was about (laughs) i just remember the name of it but like now like no one really has house phones anymore so like when a stranger calls and stuff feel less scary because you're like well i've never been i haven't not been in a house recently that has a house phone so i'm like who who's gonna call from the house you can call me from your cell phone that's also in the house that I would hear. But, like, you can't call me on a house line from inside the house. From yeah. within my house. But, but there's, like, there's so many scary things about technology. Like, like if somebody put a tracker on the bottom of my car or something like that, like, or, like, new, like, could trade, like, if there was some indication that, like, I got a notification that somebody had been, like, tracking my location, that's the same feeling as the calls from inside the house. I think people are just, like, not being super creative. Because, like, formulas are so successful, I think people are not necessarily going as far out the norm as they could with new technology. Like, dreaming up some some new updates for an app so it doesn't feel outdated when it comes to Imagine if somebody hacked your, like, Google Maps or your GPS and, like, sent you walking in the wrong direction into a trap. Like, I feel like like there's so many things that, like, have potential scary factor, but they're only using things that 
like actually happen. I mean, I'm sure these things do actually happen, but yeah. I think this is a commercial impulse. Uh, sorry, a commercial impulse to be like, I'm gonna put out the trendiest horror. What's current right now? It's this app. Okay, horror with this app. Horror with this thing. Horror, and it's just like, it's just, there's no imagination, and it bores me. That's why I haven't really wanted to watch the app horror, um, which is the natural latest evolution of found footage. Yeah, there's so many like recently I think we've seen like a surplus of horror films that have been like breaking the norm of how successful horror is like with Hereditary and Midsommar and Get Out and Us and that's because those are so imaginative and they are very different from what everyone else is releasing. I feel like the market is concentrated with like the Conjuring universe like the Bloomhouse or Blumhouse. I should figure out how to pronounce that. I was about to say, just call out Bloomhouse if you mean it. Like they they make a ton of different movies, but they're all sort of the same. Like they they like to make adaptations of uh, movies from the past. Like they do Fantasy Island, and then they work with like streaming platforms to make like a bunch of different horror movies. And they make them really fast. It's horror movie fast fashion. <laughs> exactly. It's satisfying in the way that fast fashion is in that like, okay, like this outfit will do for tonight. Yeah, I was entertained, but I'm never going to watch it again. Like, <laughs> I think that's what they're like churning. They don't out. make you think, but I think the part of horror is like, how, how are you portraying this public fear, this deep rooted primal fear that people have? What is the metaphor? How are you creatively portraying that? And I just feel like there's not really any of that right now. It's just like, you know what's scary? possession let's make this thing you know what's scary this is scary you know there's no like thought process behind it and it bores me there's some studios and distribution companies that are really making big leaps in the type of horror that they put out because i do think it's a genre that deserves to be awarded more especially like an award show season i don't think the confines of films that deserve awards should be drama there's some amazingly acted comedy films and some amazingly acted horror films and they get absolutely no shine on um google there's it calls like uh paranormal activity horror thriller and i hate when they do that i know that horror and thriller cross over a lot but i feel like i feel like paranormal activity is horror and like why are we calling it thriller but they just do that to films which are like horror films which turn out to be quite good they'll call a thriller just to avoid That's so funny the kind of cheap association with horror and i'm like just call it a horror call it what it is and celebrate it for that like horror can be intellectual horror often is intellectual commentary and stuff and like profound but no one wants to I treat feel like it as thrillers such. are more likely to be thrillers are more likely to be like throw away no no deeper meaning nonsense movies yeah but or like psychological thrillers i call it a psychological thriller and i'm like it's a horror movie that's fine Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Monfem Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to be our next Witch of the Week. We also have a TikTok. Follow us at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, witches out.